This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome in to another episode of Tigers Radio Podcast here at MotorCityBangles.com and the Tigerland Report. I'm Rogelio Castillo. I'm Miss Chris Brown and Youper. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Media, and Stitcher and Google Play. As uh, at Motor City Bengals, we continuing to highlight the minors for reasons that are pretty clear. We'll get to in a second. And <laughs> please subscribe to the Tigerland Report YouTube account. As uh, now we have over 300 subscribers, so I'm pretty, pretty. Again, it's it's. Little baby steps, but we're getting there. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tiger Miley Report. So our guest this evening, and, the, and this is the first time we've had him on video, and last year he was kind enough to join us right before he joined Barstool Sports. And we I got, got a chance to meet Chris here at Comerica Park, I think it was like in June, and then your the other gentleman from Barstool Detroit had a really good conversation. Mm-hmm. He also co-hosts the Lights and Camera podcast and the Dozen – Trivia All Star, and still does the Michigan and basketball and football game post game recaps. And I'm going to ask about the Mich- some of the fallout from the Michigan stuff because I thought mm-hmm. some of the people on there were saying you were different, which whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 it I, comes I, with the territory. We'll t- we'll talk about. Yeah, it. we'll talk about yeah. that. And uh, Chris Casanelli, welcome in, and thanks for coming back in, man. Of course, no, I, lo- I love being on here, man. You know what? This pod, despite all the nonsense that's going on, this is normalcy to me. You know, like I, I'm, I'm happy spending the next, or I would be happy spending the next seven months of my life talking about baseball. That so, like this is this is home now. Like the the other stuff is that's what I get paid for. But this is yeah. Now I'm I, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And when you tweeted about baseball, it just made me think about just because I mean we've that has been really an off switch for me. Or yeah. uh, all three of us since recently, and so I try to get into the Pistons. I try to get a little. I watched a little bit of the Red Wings, and of course Michigan basketball. But it's just there's so many different stories with what's going on, especially because with the drama right now with the labor disputes. Which mm-hmm. today was one of those things where it was another grim day, and you uh, you see water carriers like Jim Bowden trying to <laughs> say the owners, and I I say that out flat out. The guy's, a, you know, a crook. He's stolen money before in the past from mm-hmm. international players. So there's no – I'm not saying anything that nobody else doesn't know. But the whole thing, just every day there's something new that just the owners were offended by the players and all this. And and I, I'm just thinking to myself or how the AP put, framed the story of Max Scherzer and his Porsche driving. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Like, it – Come on. Like, these guys are paid a certain amount. You, you think he's going to drive in with a 1995 Ford Contour? Get the hell out of here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's not going to pull in in a scooter. Like, I mean, <laughs> guys, guys making more money AAV than any pitcher in baseball. You know, I, I spend it. <laughs> he's, he's earned it. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll start with you, Chris. In terms of where you see this right now, there's a lot of going back and forth about the lottery pick for the top seven picks. Um, in terms of where the MLB is asking for a 14 team playoff versus what the players want, which is 12, which to me, I think 14 seems a little too many, in my opinion. Um, the remainder, like there's kind of things like uh, where teams don't finish in 
pay revenue sharing for the bottom eight. So they try to avoid tanking. There's a lot of different elements to it, but which one fascinates you the most in terms of trying to get the deal, which or getting the deal done essentially? Well, I mean, one that bothers me a lot is the postseason expansion because I, if you want to expand the postseason, okay. I think to me, it's as simple as just make the wild card round best of three because we've seen in the past. Bumgarner in 14, Arietta in 15. In that one-game playoff, um, maybe is not a reflection of how good one team really is. You can have a pitcher go in there and shut a team down. The proposed 14-team uh, playoff expansion with this Cones of Gunshire, like you can pick and choose <laughs> who you want to play, and you can decide who's on your roster. And, you know, if you roll the dice, then you get to bat in the first inning before. Like, it's it's that is nonsense to me but in general like the issues themselves that's the kind of stuff that in my opinion like much smarter people uh can figure out i mean i I got a blog coming tomorrow where like in an ideal world i i agree with the players pretty much on 95 to 99 percent of the issues because i acknowledge the fact that these owners got the money and they can pay for it but i also think i am pro you got the cones of Dunshire. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, I, I am pro like whatever's going to get us a baseball season a, a, at this point. And, and that's the most frustrating part. I, I understand and sympathize with everything that the players are fighting for. Um, the biggest detriment here has been the fact that in, in if this season gets delayed, it's what everyone's going to look at those 42 days in between lockout and first conversation is what everyone's going to be talking about. What were they doing in between mid-December all the way through the holidays and and into February where nobody was really talking? So I I think postseason expansion really is a big one because I think in general of the four major sports, most of them have bloated postseasons. The NBA to me has no reason to be 16 team. Like how many teams in the NBA, even in a year where parity is at its highest, can win a championship? Five? six hockey is a weird one because there's puck luck i understand that but even in the nfl we saw it this year they expanded it like did the eagles really deserve to be in the playoffs were the steelers really a playoff team i think that the issue that they're that people run into with a 14 team playoff is that it allows the owners to be less aggressive because hey we win 84 games we get into the playoffs that's a success that's something that really bothers me because it used to be in baseball to get there, you had to have a really good team. You know, even you, you look back in recent history, those four Tigers teams that won the AL Central consecutively, those were four really good teams that fought to get into the postseason. Now it's like, well, hey, 84 wins and, and we can fight for a spot in a in a sport in which randomization is at its highest. You know, you can have one bad week and your season's over. That's the one that probably bothers me the most of of all the major issues. But, I mean, there's so much to sort out here. So, Chris Brown, what about you? I mean, in terms of all the major issues, we've gone – we've talked about this numerous times, but I feel with the postseason, this one – I don't know. I've always thought that having it the way it is now is fine. Yeah, you know, I I, I tend to agree about the postseason. I think it's it's one of those things where the players don't particularly care at all. They'll play more postseason games – but they know that the owners really want it, so they're gonna couldn't use it as a, as a cudgel. But uh, yeah, the, I mean, the, the main concern for me is actually the minimum salary, uh, because 
that's the one that's going to affect the most players over the, the, the largest amount of time. I like the, the pre-arbitration bonus pool thing is kind of fun and funky and it'll give us stuff to write about. But the one that actually matters, I think is, is the, uh, you know, bumping up the minimum salary, which is, I know it's gone up. I don't know what, 50, $60,000, maybe a little bit more than that over the last two CBAs. Maybe I'm mistaken. It was, what is it now? 600, 600. Yeah. And right now um, I think that the, the Players want six. I think they want seven twenty-five or seven fifty. Seven twenty-five, yeah. I think it was seven seventy-five even. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and it. I mean, that seems to make the most sense to me. It's, you know, it it, in aggregate, it's going to cost a lot of money for the owners, and I think that's why they were not crazy about it. But, uh, that's the way to ensure that guys who come up and and, you know, because the owners, I don't think are going to go for expanded arbitration. I mean, they may be a little bit, but it's the way to just make sure that guys who come up and play a little bit and have a little bit of an impact for a year or two get, a, you know, their share of the giant pie that is mostly going to the owners and then the, the other half of it or quarter or whatever is is uh, going too much to veterans, basically. Not not that they don't deserve it, but it's just the way, like, the way it works, you know, with the, the amount of production you're getting from young players who aren't getting paid for it. It just seems to be more fair to me, but I, I don't know what the owners from, from what I can tell, they haven't really identified the main things they're pushing back against. They just keep saying, Oh, you know, we're disappointed. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that, but you real quick before we move on, what are you going to say? Well, actually they, they hit my two, uh, the same ones. I was going to talk about the minimum salary as well. It's a, it really has to go up. I mean, and there's nowhere to go, but up. Uh, if it's going to be any kind of semblance of fairness uh, because the players who produce are the younger players and the owners know that and they're starting mm-hmm. to pay older players less. So where does it got to go? It's got to go to the young players. Um, what really I found offensive today though, I mean, just literally offensive and I rarely use that word is evidently the owner said we're out of ideas. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we're out of ideas. They've, they've negotiated in good faith, how many sessions went more than 10 minutes? And you're telling me these guys are, these are some of the smartest businessmen and women in, in, in America, and they're out of ideas. I mean, that's uh, insulting to all of us. I really couldn't believe it when I saw that. Yeah, that's one of those things where I, I as somebody just absorbs reading communications and seeing the, the PR of it, how does how do they go put stuff out there and go, Oh, you know, that that's okay. I mean, there's it, it, to me, the, the whole thing since the started, it looks like the owners just do not like, if it's out there, like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like they do not think about the, the, how they're portrayed, but yet there's fans out there. who are still blaming the players somehow. And that to me, I, that's the part I just, I just blows my mind. Like, how are you going to blame the players when they are the ones waiting for an agreement? And the, the entire time were they having like a siesta or something? I don't know, but it, it just to me, the, just the, the specifics on the competitive balance aspect or using war also falls into a tricky situation. And to me, that's where you're going to see a young player, for example, like when they were talking about all of a sudden, it's just seemed, I don't know, the news that Juan Soto rejected a $350 million contract seemed convenient enough to drop that as they're talking about that. And to me, mm-hmm. I just, you see that almost that narrative that the, the, you know, the BS narrative, well, the players are getting paid too much and dot, dot, dot. Well, 
you guys are the ones that drove the price up in the first place. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. created this. And the only thing I'm, I'm the only thing the players association has not done in the last couple of uh, agreements is continue to see their money raise up while, excuse me, while their salaries getting raised up while baseballs continue to make money. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, and they were more than happy to see uh, Ozzy Elbies and Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. sign contracts, which even at the moment they were signed, looked completely under market and com- wonderful deals for the owners. And then to come out and, you know, try to say, well, Soto is trying to jack us for money, you know, and he's a greedy good player. That's a joke as well. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, moving on to the, other than that, the one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Chris, was in terms of, you see in the Tiger Minor League camp right now, you see Spencer mm-hmm. Purkelson, Riley Green, Ryan Kreider, just everybody out there on display. There was, of course, one of those things where you, you have to get in the mindset of going, okay, it's spring training. Calm down, folks. Right. You know, those kind of things. But either way, uh, what have impressions, I mean, from what you've seen out there so far have really kind of stuck out to you? You know, look, for, for all the criticism that uh, the, the front office has taken, and trust me, I mean, I've, I've – <laughs> at many points have been like, you know, Eli Roth and inglorious bastards with the, with the baseball bat, just hammer, hammering these guys. I think they have done a tremendous job of developing a lot of their young talent. I mean, there's, these are their money beats. Like you can, they cannot afford to, to fall or, or fail with green and Torkelson. And, and, you know, you watch, I mean, I, really what we've seen is what batting practice, but at the same time, I mean, you look at the big picture. Um, I think that the development of Riley green, up to this point, who knows what he's going to turn into, has exceeded expectations. I mean, especially when you draft a high school player, um, you know, sometimes you get a guy who turns out to be this this generational guy, but sometimes you get someone whose body doesn't grow and who doesn't develop as a player. I mean, it's it's excitement. I mean, I, I think that this is the year where everyone is really kind of waiting on pins and needles because they are both going to be here really, really soon. And, and I feel this way about these guys. And I feel this way about the team where when people ask, what are these guys going to be like? What's the team going to be like? What's the organization going to be like? And the way I stand right now is nothing has deterred me from believing that either one of these guys, and this includes Kreidler and Dylan Dingler are going to be really good major league players. I think that they have, they have grown through the minor leagues Torkelson, especially because green at least had, that small window in 2019 and in the long run, I think green will be the better major league player, but Torkelson's development had the potential to be completely messed up. I mean, he was drafted into 2020, no minor league season, right? Last year in one minor league season, he went from high a to double a to triple a. I mean, I don't, you know, reg- even if you're a number one pick or not, that's a pretty remarkable ascension, which get, which lends credence to the fact that this guy is a really legitimate generational hitter. So, I mean, from what I've seen, it's very exciting. Um, I believe both of them will be here early this season, once we play a season. And, well, I, the last thing I want to see is this season getting delayed, you know, it, from a major league standpoint. I think it could, for these guys, be a benefit because I think they're going to tear it up in spring ball. And let's say we play a 150, 140-game season the the oper- the odds potentially starting the year on the major league roster goes up i feel like with f- you know fewer major league games maybe i'm being optimistic with that but um 
I like watching him go to work and, and in, not just in terms of, of character, but in terms of talent, it seems like the organization is incredibly happy with their development. And I think the fans should be too. Yeah. Especially when you look at the way Torque started the season last year at West Michigan, where he's kind of struggled, but then I, for how many games we went to Chris uh, last year, I remember we were talking about all of a sudden he started going the right field in Toledo. And at first yeah. it was the disaster, and then it was like just authority, just boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And to see him make those adjustments, as for Riley Green's concern, mm-hmm. I, I, last year when we had him as number one prospect, it was originally, so well, what about Torque? Until I saw Torque go, even in Erie, just continue to make like adjustments, same thing with Green. They're more, recept- they're more receptive on new technology you've seen that mm-hmm. they had the blue ball the blue wall that's going on down mm-hmm. in lakeland there's a lot of things and i've watched this team for a long time and i try everybody always kind of gives me some kind of grief well you're too negative and blah 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 well i call it the way i see it. i'm objective as possible but it's for once the first time since you know i hate to say this chris even if we were born like i because <laughs> no, you're right though you're right i mean like, as good as this organization has yeah. been at points the last time they had a farm system with a core like this was the late 70s early 80s yeah which, which took them to a world series in 84 yeah yeah it's just like a i don't know it's just kind of it's it, and even for like you and chris here but um chris one of the uh, brown i was going to ask you in terms of all the footage you've been seeing all that like you know the best best shape of his life stories have you seen anything <laughs> that stands out to you so far well I, I will say that that one kind of silver lining of this uh labor strife is this minor league mini camp and the fact that they've had we've had a couple of the beat writers be able to go down there and they're covering these guys in much more depth than they would normally because yeah. normally they'd be chasing down casey mice and Tarek Scoobal and all that stuff to see what they've been doing and in and so now we're getting stories on everybody from Jackson Job and Ty Madden to AJ Ladwig to, uh, you know, Manuel Square and, and Christian Santana. And so it's, it's, I don't know, it's been fun to watch. I think today Evan Petzold had video of Reese Olsen pitching against, uh, you know, Kreidler and Torkelson and Green. And we've seen, it was fun the other day when Job uh, got taken deep by Sequeira. And it's like, it's just fun to see that stuff. So uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that anything has really jumped out. I think I shared with you, uh, well, we shared with each other, Rogelio, that that our various insiders have told us um, extremely positive things about Jackson Job. That uh, to the point where the Tigers are uh, even more excited about him than they were when they drafted him. So, you know, w- what we could take from that, I don't know at this point. But that's uh, it's exciting to hear, and it's just kind of cool to see some of these dudes go out there and, and and play against each other. Yeah, that's and that's the best part. I mean, there's. I, I, we're so desperate for baseball right now. Um, we're, I mean, for we started watching a little bit of college, and I know that Chris and I are kind of nerds about that kind of stuff. As I was spent the whole DVR watching Michigan uh, baseball this weekend. But uh, speaking yeah. of Michigan sports, now um, the whole Joan Howard situation. I know there's between you, you both, uh, Chris. Both Chris's have some different takes on this, but um, I. <laughs> The whole situation just looked like he, like the whole, first and foremost, it looked like a punch over the top. It wasn't like a straight shot anyway. But secondly, Michigan and was at Wisconsin's always, it's like the Tigers playing in Oakland or Anaheim. It just never seems to work out. But that vibe of the game, Chris, 
go and talk about that and talk about just the, the whole the whole scene. It's how that all worked out. Well, you know what's weird about that game is, and, and this is a little in, you know inside baseball for you is you know I, I do my post games after every Michigan basketball game like I do with the Tigers, and I I recorded that video with about a minute thirty left in the game because the game was over. And it was like the line on Twitter, it was like closing. It was about 99% of the way there. And then Juwan decided to slap a guy, and I had to, I had to delete it and, and start over because the story became uh, what happened um, in the post game. And, and it's ironic because they lost that game. They didn't play particularly well, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a better team than Michigan, but Michigan had a two road games that week, one at Iowa, one at Wisconsin. They needed to win one. They won one. Obviously, you, you don't want you never want to lose any game, but I was I was ready to wipe my hands clean of that week and say, okay, they're still relatively on track if they take care of business, which you know, big question mark, to make uh the tournament. And then that happened. It it made me very sad because and, and you know, like trust me, I've gotten enough responses by people talking about this, but I, I like Jawan Howard. And I think that what happened on Sunday is not a reflection of the kind of person or coach that Jawan Howard is. And that's what frustrated me is I, I, I think that he's better than that. And I think his players are better than that. And we saw against Rutgers, the way they responded, Rutgers is good and Michigan beat them pretty darn bad. And they, and they rallied around Phil Martelli. I, um, it was a very, unfortunate and I'll say embarrassing moment, but I, I don't believe that it is a reflection of the kind of person that Juwan Howard is. And, and I said this, I don't know if I said this in my blog, but I was, I was, I'm glad he didn't get fired. He should not have been fired because I'm, I'm a firm believer in second chances and rehabilitation. We're all Tigers fans, obviously. How many people were adamant that the Tigers shouldn't have hired AJ Hinge, right? This guy's a cheater. This guy disgraced the game. This guy should never be managing in baseball ever again. And it's been a year and a half since he was hired. And he's the best manager in baseball. The media likes him. We like him. He did a tremendous job a season ago. In terms of preparation, I don't think there's anyone in baseball better. That's an an example of a guy who uh, screwed up rehabilitated and has and has gone on to do wonderful things. I feel that way about Juwan. I, I don't believe that this is a reflection of who Juwan is. And I think it will be a wonderful story if four or five years from now, um, you know, we we see what Michigan basketball becomes. Now with that said, if this happens again, whether it's next year or three years from now, you gotta fire him. You cannot allow this. You cannot allow this to happen ever again. It, 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 whether regardless of the personal feelings I have about the guy, you cannot have a coach that on multiple occasions has essentially assaulted another coach and allow him to to retain his position. So that that's where I stand on it, but it's been uh it's been pretty exhausting this week on on, on Twitter and in social media. Yeah. Especially cuz like yeah, some of these fans are ridiculous, but one of the things I liked about what you said in your article that was true and this is I think something Chris Brown could even attest to it. That it's just that we can't talk about the football team anymore because of the coach going back and forth, yes. you know, and that whole, the whole last paragraph, because, you know, even the, the best line, it, you can't discuss guys who have worked their asses off like Eli Brooks and Hunter Dickerson. Right. And you're right, because it just seems like the story is either whether it's Jim Harbaugh and in this case, Jawan Howard, but not because he wanted to be the story, obviously, but it does, it is frustrating to the point where it's just, you forget some of the accolades and, 
especially Michigan basketball has struggled this season and has not built up what they're supposed to be doing, but it's, enough is enough. And, and it's just the even, it just takes away from what potentially mm-hmm. could be a good season. And, and you know what's, you know what's sad. And, and that's why last night to me was outside of the Purdue game, maybe their best performance of the season is you got a week where you are mired in controversy. And, mm-hmm. and one thing that goes overlooked is, Dickinson in the post game for Wisconsin, you could tell he was tired of this. Like, I don't want to answer questions about this. Like, I put up 17 and seven. What do you people like want from me? And you know what they did last night? They went out and beat a really good Rutgers team. And, and, and that shut a lot of people up. And I feel this way about Juwan. I feel this way about Harbaugh. Despite all the controversy and nonsense, when you get W's instead of L's, it solves everything. Like I, as much as insane as this off season has been for Michigan football, if they go 12 and one next season, again, no one's going to care that he almost went to Minnesota. Like they're, they're, they're going to celebrate another big 10 championship. The winning solves everything. And that's what happened last night. And that's why I'm really happy for Martelli. And I'm really happy for the players for how they responded to the, to the controversy. Now, Chris I, Brown, I mean, I know you were tweeting and you got some crap for what you said, but what's your angle well, on this? Yeah. So, so I was actually when when all that went down, I was sledding in the front yard with my son. So I, as he would go down, I would check my phone and I saw everything that was going down. And then I saw clips and I'm like, oh my god, that looks absolutely terrible. Like I I wasn't watching the game. I saw it from Twitter and I just said I think he should resign because uh, and I think there's there are a couple aspects of that for me. Uh, one of it was for, for, from you know a decade plus or whatever of, of watching John Beeline like the gentlest man on earth. <laughs> uh, I think he got thrown out of one game ever and it was like what. Um, yeah. and, and it, it, that's not to say that like, you know, Juwan, I think is a great coach. Uh, he's just a little bit more fiery and, and I've, I've seen him, he went at Mark Turgeon last year, I think it was. And, and he's had a couple games this year where he absolutely loses it on the refs and that's totally fine. But I, I just thought, it, and there's also something like, I, I felt like there was just a tinge of the malice at the palace flashback for me where like for something about basketball makes it seem worse to me. And I had to, you know, had I waited another day or two, I probably wouldn't have, you know, said anything about him getting fired or resigning or whatever. I think what what ended up happening was fine. A suspension and then the the school going over and saying, hey, we can't accept this. It's totally fine. Uh, But, yeah, there's something like like if it had happened between two hockey coaches and like, you know, there's gloves involved. I don't think I would have cared as much. And if it's football, there's helmets and even, you know, baseball, we see coaches, you know, was it, uh, you know, Pedro and Don Zimmer. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, it, but some, something about basketball, uh, you know, made it seem more real and dangerous to me. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if that's going back to the malice of the palace or me just, you know, seeing it for what I was and, and, and overreacting. And I think, <laughs> and it's also probably a lot of frustration on my part. And the same re- reason that Juwan Howard is frustrated is this, this is a really talented team that just hasn't been what we expected it. You know, they were top five, I think, or uh, yeah, top they were, I think they were five preseason. Yeah. And, and uh, and it turns out that they, you know, the, the freshmen aren't quite what they expected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't, you can't, you, we've seen that with Kentucky, you know, these, these teams that have mm-hmm. these amazing, even you see Memphis this year, these teams with these amazing recruiting classes. And sometimes it doesn't gel. And, and yeah, basically Michigan lives and dies uh, on shooting and it's been super inconsistent this year and they don't really have any wings which is something that I just, I guess we just took for granted last year that they had like three NBA level wings on the team. You know, right. Franz, Wagner, Franz Wagner might be the rookie yeah. of the year. Shawnee Brown's been in the, in the league a little bit this year and, mm-hmm. and uh, Isaiah livers is back and forth, but so I don't know. It's just been a frustrating season for Juwan and for fans. And I think I reacted uh, 
I overreacted, and so did Juwan, and here we are. We're, we're all <laughs> back together now. Juwan finally apologized. Wisconsin has done no apologizing. It's been kind of super annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, But, yeah, so I, I guess I will apologize too. But I also deleted my tweets because I tend to delete like 95% of my tweets that aren't about baseball just because I feel like anybody who follows me on Twitter is not there yeah. for that. No, you, so. dude, you, you and me both, man. I mean, it, it's I, I don't blame any person who watched the raw footage and said, this guy should be fired. Like I, I, people do that all the time and it drives me nuts on social media. Like opinions are actually fluid and can change. Like what you say in the moment is not actually a reflection of what people feel years from now, like months from now. So no, I'm with you completely. And I, I think that, you know, when you look at uh, that moment, I'm, I, I'm, it's funny you brought up Pedro and Don Zimmer. Cause I was talking to somebody last week where like Pedro Martinez, literally assaulted a senior citizen <laughs> and i don't I, I could be wrong i don't think he got suspended a game for it no. like it, it's a, it's a weird thing how that works and now i'm not by any means justifying what juan did but at the same time i do think that it's a prime example of the cultural the culture change where this is this has become more heightened than it should and, and i don't blame it i was literally because of how instantaneous my videos are i was the first person to be like yeah you got to suspend them like this can't this can't you got to send a message that he can't do this again and i know the players love him and i know the fans are are appreciative of him i i do think he'll grow from this i i do think he'll learn and i really hope this doesn't happen again because i want him to be the coach here yeah and and i i just uh, just to think about like Part of it is just the, the way we've changed as a sports culture in the last, uh, you know, there was no Twitter when when Don Zimmer uh, came at Pedro. And also, uh, he like Don Zimmer was apologetic and crying afterwards, saying that he made the mistake, he went after him and stuff like that. And, and I recall, like, Twitter was around for the Armando Galarraga, Jim Joyce thing, but I wasn't on it at the time. And I, I have to believe that there were a bunch of people probably calling for Jim Joyce to be flayed and salted. Oh, no question. But, like, uh, and, and, you know, you calm down after a little bit, but mm-hmm. everybody gets emotional because it's sports. That's why we follow it. If we didn't care about it, then we wouldn't watch. So mm-hmm. speaking of, uh, by the way, two t- ex tigers, there's David Wells and the guy at the bat was Kareem Garcia, who was the tigers outfielder in, yeah. I believe that he came over in 96, 97, mm-hmm. um, the diamondback. So, yeah, and here's, so here it is. I mean, the reason why I'm watching this, cause it's been a while since I've watched it. And I've always thought that was kind of more like a, Olay thing versus a actual assault, and of course I didn't cue it up right, so it's gonna take a minute here. But um, right, it, it just all sport. Like you remember how much this is again, Chris. This is before your time. Uh, Red Wings fans absolutely hated Chris Chelios. Oh yeah, when he was with the Blackhawks, and then he came to the Red Wings and was like, "Hey, he's all right now." And even like more recent, like you know, remember when Mickey and uh, Austin Romine got in a fight? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 They were the teammates. Team, like yeah. three years later. Yeah. Yeah, and Pedro apologized, and they they both they moved on. It was a heat of the moment kind of thing, and mm-hmm. the tensions are high. And for two teams that don't even like each other, yeah. It, I, I, for John Howard and for Michigan, it, I'm what you said about Jim Harbaugh to me cracked me up because that I'm sick of it. I'm quite frank, I'm seriously like just Body. enough is enough, man. Like you, your offensive coordinator or who was it that left that was just like basically. Like, it was Gaddis. It was Gaddis. It was Gattis, Gattis, yeah. No, I, it's it, it's really a tough thing because I everyone thinks I don't like Jim Harbaugh. Like Jim Harbaugh, I I'm done with the Jim Harbaugh circus. I just because and they, I feel this way about the labor negotiations. I feel this way about coaching. Uh, uh you know, move 
I like watching the sport and talking about the sport. The other nonsense does not appear that much. So like Michigan football had a wonderful season last year. And that like that week after beating Ohio State and then going to like I was in Indy, that was amazing. And then that month long, like Izzy or Izzy going, you know, a sequence there, which ended with him interviewing with Minnesota, not getting it was just such nonsense. And then you lose two coordinators. It's like that that was rough but you know again i go back to it it's like no one's no one's going to remember this in you know several months if if they if they beat the buckeyes again and the big 10 again but you gotta now now they've built that pressure up again where you lose pretty quickly um because of the way this offseason has gone yeah i I, I, go ahead chris i'll just say that there were certain aspects of of sports that i used to pay attention to a lot more closely i used to get really into the college football recruiting and uh, and and the NFL draft, and I I treat Jim Harbaugh stuff the same way. Where now I go, you know what? It, uh, if I don't pay attention to this, it's still going to happen anyway. So I'll just wait for it to finish. And so I just ignore. I, I you know I I will go with my buddies and hang out and watch the first round of the NFL draft. But then I I'll check in two days later and say, oh yeah, well, look what they did. That's fun. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's where I am with Harbaugh. Like I yeah, the dude is super uh, quirky and annoying and. You know, just I, <laughs> I just stopped following him and, and and wait for things to settle down. And now they're doing spring practice now, uh, which I also am not paying attention to, but I know it's happening. Yeah. I can't believe it's already spring practice already. But <laughs> so uh, yeah. one of the one of the big things I wanted to talk to Chris about was Bat the Batman, which is coming out mm-hmm. next week. And one of the things that when it was the same kind of reaction when Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson, what? He can't play Batman. He was in yeah. Twilight. Blah blah blah. Same, you know, BS kind of crap with uninformed information. And Robert Pattinson has done some really good work. He did that movie. Yeah. Well, that movie I watched with William Defoe, the the, the Lighthouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. That movie exceeded my expectations, and I he's he's grown on me a little bit. And I just watched a movie with another guy who has the same kind of well, he uh, uh, typecast a little bit. Andrew Garfield, I just watched The Eyes of Tammy, ba- Tammy Baker. He was fantastic in that movie. He did mm-hmm. a really good job of being Jim Baker. So for you, Chris, the Batman is supposed to be two hours and 35 minutes. Is that F- 55. 55. Oh, 55. It's, it's a three-hour movie. Holy, yeah. yeah holy it's a mini series, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in terms of what how it's shot and everything, what are you looking mm-hmm. forward to the most? And then we're gonna we're gonna get into the other Batman movies in here. Yeah. Little bit. Yeah, what are you looking forward to about this movie? Well, I mean, two things. One, I'm a huge fan of Matt Reeves. I think Matt Reeves is one of the best directors working right now. I think when you go from he went from Cloverfield to Let Me In to I think last the the Planet of the Apes trilogy, in which he did two of the two of them, the last two, is masterful. Like legitimately uh, in terms of Hollywood films is like better than Hollywood. I mean, in terms of the themes, the cinematography, the fact that you take a bunch of characters that don't speak essentially, and you make a two and a half hour movie out of them, I think is incredible. But I, um, I've been on board for a while thinking that I think Pattinson post twilight is the best actors working right now. And people say I'm crazy for that, but part of it to like, the Twilight series and the Star Wars prequels are come from the sa- are cut from the same cloth. Where I don't blame any of the actors for their bad performances in those movies. Like Liam Neeson is a freaking amazing actor. Samuel L. Jackson is a great actor. Ewan McGregor is a great actor. Natalie Portman is amazing. 
and they all kind of give like bad performances in the prequels. Like Kristen <laughs> Stewart is about to win an Oscar for playing Princess Diana, and she's not good in the Twilight movies like at all. So I don't blame him for that. But having watched The Lighthouse and Good Time and Devil All the Time, I think that he's going to bring something really amazing to that role. But even beyond that, I outside of the Joker, the Riddler is my favorite Batman villain. And one thing I love about the Riddler is the fact that the Riddler is a pest and he's just a nuisance. And Paul Dano to me is like, you can't, that casting is, it's chef's kiss. It's perfect. Like that guy, somebody, I I once had some, I can't take credit for this. Once described him as an actor, as the quote was moist and amphibious. And when I watch, (laughs) when I watch him in, when I watch him in prisoners and when I watch him in, in uh, there will be blood. I'm like, wow, what, a, what an, a, an amazing description of that. Like, I think that if you're going to have a guy who's going to go around Gotham planting puzzles and, and trying to mess with our hero, I don't think you can do any better. Now, like the thing is the hype is there for, and I've been looking forward to this for years. I'll be objective about it. I always am. But I, I think the pieces are in place for this to be, really really special and, and this is a character like there's there's one of those things like if you're doing a things and it shows where my perspective lies in life if you're doing a, a hierarchy of things that matter the most to me you're talking tigers baseball and somewhere in that top five is is batman like i get very very honest and real when it comes to how my batman is portrayed it's something that i've grown up with since i was three years old and i i have the the versions that i care about i have the versions that i adamantly disavow but i think i think they have something here uh early buzz is that you know it's it's really really good i think it's going to be a massive hit and i'm i'm just truly i'm ready for i mean dude this thing's been delayed a million times because of covid so at this point like just give it to me like i'm ready to see it whether i like it or love it um so be it but i'm ready to be objective and talk about it yeah Especially, you know, you Paul, well, Paul Dano, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but when I saw him or in There Will Be Blood in that whole sequence in the bowling alley, yeah. I, was, I was just literally going, yeah, get him, get him, right. son of a bitch, yeah. die. And it's, it's funny because Daniel Day-Lewis is such garbage in that movie. Too. Yeah. Like he's, not, he's not a good guy at all. Yeah. And yet you still yeah. get to the end of that movie and he's like, hit him again. Do it again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Paul Dano, I don't know if you guys saw Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, he's so great in the yeah, where he takes the ball. He has so many scenes where he doesn't even talk, mm-hmm. but he kills the scene just by you know by his presence and the faces that he makes mm-hmm. and the interact the nonverbal interaction he has with some of those characters. You know, that's a little movie, but man, he he was, and it wasn't even a really big part, but he was a, a great part of that movie. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's perfect casting, honestly. Yeah, and I think objectively, Batman is the coolest superhero. I, I don't think cool. uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think you know what's interesting is is when I think back so so the first Batman movie was a an absolute phenomenon when I was a kid like yeah. that came out when I was what nine I think eight or nine uh, but I wasn't you know I was a kid so I didn't I, I'm sure people were like Michael Keaton is playing Batman like he had just gone done Beetlejuice which was kind of different and interesting but before that he was like you know gung-ho Mr. Mom Johnny Dangerously like he was a stand-up comedian uh, yeah. so but that one, I mean, that was just a, a like, you know, that was that was. Uh, what's the director? I've gone and, and it blanked out. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah, but before he was a parody of himself, he was still doing kind of some interesting things. Yeah. And you, you Jack Jack Nicholson, you got 
was Tommy Lee Jones in that one too, or was no, that? No, that was that, that was, was a famous controversy. Uh, Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. That's right. Um, yeah, and Harvey Dent, which I think he would have been great as Two Face, but we never saw yeah. him, you know, that opportunity. Yeah, and you know, you have Prince doing the soundtrack; like it was massive. Um, and and before that, the only superhero movies that I remember were like the Supermans. Yeah, yeah there were, and the first two Supermans I remember being pretty good. Was the third one with Richard Pryor? I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. Three, three and four are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the, the fourth one where he, he steals the world's nukes and throws, yeah. throws them into the sun. That's, that's I, nuclear, man. Yeah. I saw that at the theater when I was a kid and it was a, yeah, I even, yeah. I, I was like, this is no good. Right. Yeah. But so yeah, Batman changed the game. And then, then when Raj and I were kids, the, uh, the Batman animated series was just about the best thing on mm. TV after school. Yeah. And, I've, been, and, I've been watching it lately. That is still 30, uh, 30 years later. Outside of the Nolan films is my favorite version of the character. I, I like what they do, like, and, and and it carried over into the Arkham games as well. Where like outside, people ask me who my favorite Batman is, and I have an answer. But as a geek, my favorite Batman, Kevin Conroy. What like that voice yeah. is like the the definitive like this guy will break you, like break every bone in your body, but at the same time be the suave playboy, you know, Bruce Wayne. Um, I still want it's it holds up remarkably well for a series a superhero series in the early 90s yeah yeah because you i mean you look at something like x-men for example that came out in the early 90s that's that's awful I, i'm sorry like, i used to be a pump for the, the cartoon yeah the x-men cartoon yeah. but now it just aged so badly because it reminded me of the 70s versions of the super friends and it's yeah. just that version of it but the one thing about the batman the animated series was the creation of if, had i known what i know now about what happened to be with harley quinn yeah it, it's one of those things where you think about it now I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I like the Harley Quinn DC cartoon that just came out a couple of years ago. That's on HBO. That's uh, kind of more R-rated. But I, the, the the whole premise behind Harley Quinn and how the origin story came up in the animated series was so fantastically well done, and just kind of shows how. But it also gave a different dimension to the Joker to me, mm -hmm. in a sense that the Joker is the. I mean, just how manipulative he could be. Mm -hmm. And how brutal he was, because one of the things, I, the first thing I remember about Batman as a, uh, the comic books is my old, they had a Batman, they, they had a comic book to decide whether the Robin would die. It was a second Robin. It was Jason yeah, Todd. Yeah, it was Jason Todd, right? That was, yeah. They did, they did like a fan vote, didn't they? Yeah, they did yeah. a fan vote, yeah. And it was like really close, apparently. And the way they did the graphic for it and the way they did the drawing of it in the comic was so brutal. The fact mm -hmm. that like Joker just did not give a flying leap and just <laughs> beat him, but it just, but the reason why I mentioned the Joker with Harley Quinn is because the, the way he can manipulate and control people and not a true sociopath. Mm -hmm. And even with the killing joke, the killing joke, which they did a really good job with the animated one, but I would love to see that some way in a, in a live action thing. But anyway, yeah, um, that's why I like the animated series because it allowed a recreation allowed before DC now does like a new universe every five years. It seems like now um, in the comic books, but yeah, it, it took the show and those care in the character like Harley Quinn to a different, I mean, everybody dressed up like how Carly or Harley Quinn last three, four Halloween's I'm assuming. So, right. Yeah. It's the biggest yeah. female Halloween costume. Yeah. 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 But um, I don't know. Youper in terms of Batman, before we get into the, the little <laughs> older movies, um, have you seen the previous war? Cause I mean, you know, it, it, it looks pretty exciting. No question about it. I think it'll be fun. Uh, but as Chris was saying, it's been delayed so many times. I just want to see it. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's just have it and see what we got. 
<laughs> so uh, let's start with like so I wanted to go in a little bit of the history of the movies, the original Batman, like the Bat- Michael Keaton Batman one, mm-hmm. Batman Returns. Um, in terms of where are you still with Michael Keaton, Chris? What's your thoughts about him? Was he did he did he set the mold for everything else to come to you? I think he was remarkably surprising in terms of how he portrayed the role. Because even even to this day, and I love Michael Keaton. I still look at him and say, "Man, I don't, I don't see it." But he's such a versatile actor that he made it work. I thought he was an excellent Batman, and that's where, again, I break this down all the time. There's that duality. I thought he was an excellent Batman. His Bruce Wayne was a little bit too unassuming for my for my taste but I, I think in general like you know we, we've seen good batman and we've seen bad batman but he did a great job of being first actors to take a role like that and really take it seriously i, I remember feeling you know because kind of my version of of you know those superheroes is what toby Maguire did with the first spider-man we're like whoa an actor can take this role and get shredded in super good shape read the comics understand the character i think he did a great job of that any issues I had with his portrayal had nothing to do with him as an actor. Like one of my big things, again, if we're doing a power ranking, some things I care about, I do not like when Batman kills. That's a big problem of mine. Now that has nothing to do with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is servicing the script. Like he can't change what's written. Uh, he does ki- kill a few times. In fact, like in the original Batman, he just grabs Jack Nicholson and says, I'm going to kill you, which to me is not a reflection of what that character is. But that's not his fault. I think that he really – he set the mold of people being like, well, you can take a role like this hate, and look at it the way that an actor takes a role and not just like, well, I'm just going to play a hero. He actually you know, took the time to study kind of the the, the separate personalities. And um, I mean as – I have issues with both those Michael Keaton movies, but they're really well-directed. And the opening scene of you know the, the I'm Batman scene is it's, – it's perfectly done, and I think a big yeah. reason – is because Michael Keaton has that ability to take a role and just make it his own. And so I, I, well, it's not my favorite portrayal of the character. It's maybe the most important because it kind of broke the mold as to what a portrayal of a superhero could actually be. So Chris, uh, Chris Brown, uh, where would you stand with the, the Batman, your favorite Batmans, what have you? Oh, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, that first one was kind of, it just, yeah, it, it, like I said, it was like a touchstone of my youth. Uh, I do remember the second one. I went to a, a kid's birthday party and we all watched it. And there was one other kid who was there who had apparently seen like a teaser on HBO. And it was called like the cat, the bat and the penguin or something like that. And every time, like he was chiming in with bloops, like every two minutes. Like, oh, I, I was watching in the cat, the bat and the penguin. He said the title of this little thing every time he mentioned it. And it stuck in my head forever because I was like, good Lord, you, you don't have to say the title every time. Like, we get it. You, you saw this preview. We're, okay. You don't have to say that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think – I've seen that second one a ton just because uh, it was big too. And, you know, Danny DeVito is, uh, you know, crazy and, and that. I don't – I'm sure I saw the third one with Jim Carrey, but I don't think I've ever gone back to watch it. And I've never seen the fourth one with, with Schwarzenegger. Um, you, you know what? You've saved yourself so much time, my friend. You have saved yourself trauma and time. You you are living a better life than anyone on this podcast right now. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and but the Nolan trilogy was obviously very good, uh, and you know the Dark Dark Knight is, is is a spectacular movie. I but I also think I told you, Roger, I haven't seen. I didn't see. The only time I saw Affleck 
as Batman was in the original Justice League uh, cut. Like uh, I, I didn't see the Snyder cut or whatever. So that's that's basically what I'm coming at. And, and I'm, I'm interested about this new one because I I haven't I, I've seen trailers a little bit, but I haven't I've just been kind of staying away because I you know just like to be sort of surprised. But to me. And I know this is a like like Chris was saying, you know, it's it's you got to do service to what the script is and, and the way a character is written. But I feel like mm-hmm. a real Batman would be an absolute psychopath, and he should be portrayed that way. <laughs> like yeah. not necessarily not necessarily killing people, but like if you're a billionaire and you're dressing up to go out and fight bad guys, something's wrong with you. Um, right. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's one thing if you've watched you maybe you haven't watched the clips but in the clips i've watched one thing pattinson has stressed is this bruce wayne is a weirdo he's a strange reclusive guy because if you are a billionaire who says i'm gonna dress up like a rodent and beat and beat people almost to death on a nightly basis you can't be like well adjusted and, and i love dude, the dark knight trilogy like that's like my star wars like i love those movies to death but there's one thing about those movies that did bother me is that Christian Bale right away had the duality down. Like, okay, this is what I got to do. Like if you're, if you're learning to be Batman early on, you're going to have a lot of faults. So when you watch these clips, it's very clear that like Pattinson, this guy, like this, his version of Bruce Wayne, he's not all there because he shouldn't be. I mean, he dresses, right. he dresses up like a Patton and, and destroys people. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. But you know, the, one of the things that I've noticed about history, Chris, and both you guys, and there's something about, who goes away, train with a bunch of ninja, ninjas in the mountain somewhere and doesn't mm-hmm. tell anybody? Um, <laughs> you know, those are some of the things that you pick up on some of the various animated cartoons. But even in the movie, in the Nolan movies, like who who decides to go? Yeah, you know what? It's cool. I'm just gonna do this, and I'm gonna train in in the League of Shadows in this organization mm-hmm. that no one knows about. And yet, it, it, even the Rajah Ghoul angle too. It's you. I think what I'm looking forward to this movie and was, you guys, you hit it right in the head nail on the head is that, okay, this, he isn't right. And they find a way to normalize it before mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah. Train with the league of shadows is cool. Or you know, right. they, they make it kind of like part of his whole process, but grief can only take you so far. I get this parents died, and, but I'm just glad for once they're not starting with that narrative because we, we know it. If there's, it's been told a thousand times, but I just, not that angle of him just being a little out there is you guys have hit it just it's it's fantastic and it should not normalize what he's done before even with when he gets his back broken in the in the in the comic book the guy Azrael who takes over for Batman starts killing him starting killing people and Batman's like no 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 yeah and essentially that Batman was like look I'm just doing what you wanted not done and just clean you know clean my hands of it yeah well, I mean, I, I appreciate the idea of somebody who, who can, you know, blend in with society and be a normal person and then go out at night and be somebody different. But yeah, to me, like, and I don't need superhero movies to be realistic at all. That's fine. I don't, I don't, but, but it just, to me, like the idea that like somebody who goes out at night dressed up like a bat and beats the shit out of people uh, is not that much different than like a billionaire who takes prisoners to an island and hunts them for sport. It's not that far away. <laughs> like there's just a little <laughs> tiny line between so i don't know but but whatever I, I it's fun to watch so that's all i really care about it's entertaining i can i can forgive a lot of things like the dark knight is probably when push comes to shove my favorite movie of all time but there are you know uh, christopher nolan does this a lot where there are logical lapses in judgment that you kind of have to accept 
but you do it for the sake of entertainment. So I'm, I'm, you know, for that reason, it's why I'm, I'm looking forward to this and why I, I forgive a lot of things that happen in the Dark Knight trilogy. They're just really entertaining, heartfelt movies. Let me ask you guys this question. Mm-hmm. Do we suppose any Batman villains are millionaires? <sighs> the Penguin? I always thought the Penguin had a I would say her. the Penguin. It's, it's, now, in the Dark Knight, it's established after the bank robbery that the Joker has a substantial amount of money to afford the amount of goons that he has. But, that man, that's a really good question. If there's any other Batman villains, I guess, okay, if we're really doing a deep dive, the character of Clayface was a movie star at one point in his life, meaning that he probably, you know, fell into a fair amount of wealth. But I can't think of any other Batman villain who, in you know, from a, a, a you know, a monetary standpoint, matches um, Bruce Wayne. Now, I guarantee five minutes after this this podcast ends, I'm going to think of like three, but I can't <laughs> right now. Um off the bat that would you know that would match him from a wealth perspective well i mean well, raja ghoul i mean i thought raja ghoul would be up there because it was it was just a, a stupid question for me to say millionaires versus billionaires that's no, all no no <laughs> no but bringing it back around no that's hey that's yeah. the way to go man it's the, but the batman batman versus villains was the ultimate labor negotiations it, it really was it was, it was that, you know one side one side versus the other that's the way it's always been competitive beating tax <laughs> exactly exactly and i was you know i was glad that you brought up i i'm a video game like my day job i write about video games and yeah. so i also argue that that those arkham games are probably the best superhero games oh, ever okay so with they're apologies so maybe the, like the spider-man game was pretty darn good but those those batman games were like it's like a 3d metroidvania that was just uh yeah it was great combat great puzzles all that good stuff they were they were really good the, the batman are city i was a sophomore in high school when that came out and it was a week little little story time here it was a week after my high school tennis season had ended my sophomore year. We, you know, we 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 were state runner-ups at Lansing Catholic in 2011, and I basically I came out of that those next three weeks with a beard, and I was 16 years old because I basically <laughs> locked myself in the basement and just played that game. I collected every single one of those dumb Riddler trophies <laughs> because I was so obsessed with the storyline. And I really like honestly, if like I, I'm all for adapting video games into movies because I think it's a thing. But truly, if you wanted to make an Arkham City like miniseries at some point, I would be all for it. Those get the story in those games is so tight and so rich. Um, and and I honest, what's cool about them too, to me, those are the conclusions to the animated series. And I love the animated series, but we never really got like a series finale. But you have Conroy back as Batman, you have Ham back as the Joker, and you have Bruce Tim and Paul Denny writing them. So I always viewed them as like this is the actual conclusion to that series that we never really got a conclusion to, which makes it that much more awesome. Like I could I could play those games forever. I think they're awesome. Yeah, that was a yeah that that, that first Batman that came out was just something like it was the first time I sat down and not left my couch since and forced myself to play since Star Wars Knights of the Republic, which was my first game in high school. That you're talking about you growing a beard, the same thing. I was a cross country runner in high school mm-hmm. when that game came out. Or the, the I was just, that's actually Final, I was thinking of Final Fantasy VII, but when Knights of the Republic came out, and that was in early college, sorry, but Final Fantasy VII came out, same thing. I was a runner, and it was just one of those things where I literally the the, the, the game tracker hours, how many hours you played in Final Fantasy, and it was like twenty six, twenty seven, and then I go to school thinking I was you know some hot shit or whatever, 
And there's guys like, oh, I got 39, 40 hours in my hand. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And, but Nights of the Republic was, I was working at Best Buy and came, came home. I had the weekend off sometimes, just go Friday to Sunday playing that game on my Xbox. Oh, man. It was, yeah. Anyway, but this, it was one of those games in, even with the way it was drawn too. Sometimes I thought it was too dark, but then I just dressed a light on my TV, some of those Batman games. But either way, uh, I'm stoked for the movie. I'm glad that you talked about this. And fun fact about Matt Reeves, if you are, Chris, you'll, Brown, you might remember this. Now, I don't know about you, uh, Chris, both guys, but you might, he actually co-created Felicity. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of his big things too. I mean, he did. He's had a very weird career because he did a lot of television stuff, and then he made this really crappy movie with David Schwimmer called The Pallbearer. Like, in, like <laughs> he made that, and movie. then he basically got banished to television for like seven years and came back with Cloverfield. And he's basically kind of like he's just risen his way up, you know. Since then, I think I sent out a tweet because I, I watched a lot of interviews. Listening to him talk about Batman is like listening to AJ Hinch talk about baseball, where it's like, well, this guy so has a gauge on who these characters are, how you know how you interpret them, and his vision. Even if you don't disagree with it, like his, it makes sense when listening to him talk. So you know, I mean, I'm I'm so amped for it. I got I got tickets next week. Next week's a busy week for me, man, because I'm going to Ann Arbor for the Michigan Michigan State game, and then we got. Uh, we got the Batman on Wednesday, and then Michigan, because of a rescheduled game, has to play Iowa again on Thursday. So uh, I will, uh, I will, I will rest at some point next weekend. But uh, after that, uh, you know, I'm, or before that, I make no guarantees. <laughs> so I look forward to seeing your review on Batman. And Thank of course, you. is there anything, any other articles you wanted to pimp out? Because I, I if we're going to post your article on our podcast episode about the Jawan Howard article. I thought mm-hmm. that was well done. Is there anything else that you have going on that you want to? Well, I would say, and you you brought it up at the beginning. Um, I'm I'm officially the third co-host on Lights Camera Barstool, which is a real genuine honor. I mean, I the first thing I ever did in terms of content creation, uh, ironically, wow, bringing this back around. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I my first movie review I ever posted was for the movie Cloverfield, um, which Ooh. I will share at some point when I'm not embarrassed by it. Um, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and, and now I'm I'm co-hosting what I think is one of the coolest movie uh, sh- uh, podcasts in the world. And uh, you know, I'm making appearances on the Dozen Trivia Show as well for Barstool, and just you know, follow what we do. I, I mean, these I've been to New York, I've met these people. These guys are they're a lot like us, man. They're grinders. They're working hard. So, um, you know, give us a shot and, and, and I appreciate that, but just, I mean, in general, you know, people, you, you'll, you'll plug my Twitter and stuff, but as always, uh, thank you. I mean, this is so, I, I just love, uh, what, what's been created of Tiger's Twitter and the podcasts that have come from it and the tweets that have come from it. And the fact that one of the questions I've been getting asked over the last year, and because now it's a thing is what are you going to do when the Tigers get good? And my response is, I don't know, because it hasn't happened since <laughs> we've started making content. But truly, I, I look forward to a day in which, you know, we can be talking about playoff teams again. And uh, yeah. I think it'll be great for the community. And I think it'll be great for your podcast and anyone out there who is making uh, Tiger stuff. You know, it's um, it's about time. So, yeah, the, I'll just leave it at that. But I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's always a lot of fun. And, and Chris, again, like I said, there's there's a stigma about barstool among people, and, oh, I, and I, I get it, I get it, I, I understand. I, I totally get it too. But at the same time, like you're a normal guy, like anybody else I've ever met. You're mm-hmm. not fake. You're not disingenuous. And I really appreciate you taking the time out to come come on with us. It's it's always fun, and and honestly, I look forward to 
hopefully having a beer at the game this year and maybe just to like maybe we'll get there. yeah for sure no I'm, I'm trying to get down to as many as i can man okay. it'll be it'll be a lot of fun yeah i was uh just to cut in here yeah uh, i was decided to check uh, baseball reference for batman i figured at some point there would be a player nicknamed batman right it's baseball think, right yeah. yeah is there is nobody there are two players whose given names were batman Gil Batman, who uh, played in the 1930s and 40s in the minors, and Gene or Jean Batman, who was a, a lefty pitcher from Venezuela. But one player named Bruce Wayne did come up. That was my next question. Oh. Was there a Bruce Wayne in Major League Baseball? <laughs> well, it's his middle name. His name oh, is Bruce. That counts. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Wayne Ruffin. Father oh, of former Tigers pitcher, really? Chance Ruffin. Really? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> He was a decent pitcher for a while for the Phillies. Yeah. 63 career saves. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. There's your Batman baseball tie-in again. Millionaires, billionaires, and Bruce Ruffin. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right, Chris, man. We'll look forward to talking to you soon, man. Take it easy. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yep. All right, man. So we are having a couple questions that came in here based off what Walter asked about the draft. So we'll get to that because Chris is, uh, Chris cool. Brown's been on the draft trail. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot to. I gotta take off the stage, don't I? Oh, wait, wait. How does this work? Oh, you know, here, no, I'll bounce. I can do it myself. But I, didn't oh. want it. yeah. Hey, great talking to you guys. All right. Have All right. Great- Thanks, Chris. You too, Chris. Thanks. Thanks. All right. I wasn't sure if he was gonna stick around, so that's my bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I read that wrong. But yeah, we do have two questions we gotta get to. And um, again, thanks to Chris. That I, I honestly like. I will. I will admit that you know until you meet people, talk to people, you you have to kind of not jump to conclusions about things and all and i'm glad that it never it never came to that and everything so well and, and one of the things that chris mentioned you know he, he's uh i we also feel kind of similarly about i mean he described it as tiger's twitter but there's kind of like a tiger's blogosphere tiger's twitter all that stuff and one thing that's that's heartening to me and encouraging is just to see young younger people like chris and, and scott bentley and and like that whole crew who are, I don't know, in their early 20s or not even that old, who really loved the Tigers. Yeah. It was almost like it became like a cool hipster thing to do because they were so bad that like, <laughs> hey, we'll do this. And But that's that's important to me. And I was talking to my brother about this the other day because, you know, everybody talks about how the, the average age of baseball fans is so old now. And, and part of me just wonders if people just take to baseball as they get older. Like yes. it's not something you particularly care about when you're a teenager because that's what happened with me. I cared about it when I was a kid. Uh, and then stopped caring altogether, basically through my teens, and then got back at it in my twenties. So I don't know, but uh, that's just uh, some thoughts there. And yeah, Chris is Chris is a good dude. Uh, we we got two questions. One from Deadly Ninja Bees, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, "Do the owners like baseball?" <laughs> well, you can make that debate, right? You can certainly have that discussion. I mean, and again, I'll go back to what I said earlier in the in the show. To, for for guys who own teams to say we're out of ideas, give me a break. We look at the three of us. How many ideas can we generate in the next five minutes if we put our mind to it? <laughs> and it's it's unbelievable. So when when fans want to say that uh, Rob Manfred hates baseball, you know, it's probably not true. But he certainly deserves getting ripped on like that. Yeah, it's and the thing is that I I find every time that we. Like what I was mentioned earlier about the press and or the public relations of aspect of everything, how bad can you screw that up? 
But I, I just the, the regard, like you were saying earlier in the Discord channel, Chris. How how are you going to pretend you're going to be ignorant? How are you going to let yourself get in that situation where you have people out? You you basically call out people for saying anything opposing you, and the, just the, we're upset how the play. Get, get you're not upset. Not upset. Come on, it, it's just. Oh, man, I, I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of, I'm, I'm sick of the players. I'm just sick of this whole entire narrative out there. It's just enough well, is enough. I get, I get it. You have to make money. I get it, but it, it, I don't even there. It's so who to blame or anything. I just want like it sounds selfish, but I just want to stand so I don't have to write articles about top ten favorite moments of a, a, a kid's or. Top ten Tiger favorite moment stuff. I want to write <laughs> legitimate articles, and I wrote yeah. one today about uh, Gabe Sequera, the left-hander prospect. I love doing stuff like that. Give me more of that stuff. I want to write about actual things. I, I, I know I'm writing stuff right now, but good God, just you know, and and the owners they could have flipped at least some. I think more people always gravitate to the players nowadays than used to. I think in the old days, something the ownership had 50-50 in the public opinion with with the players, but now it's not that way. And it's, they could have gained so much favor or at least some, some positivity if they would have come with good offers right away instead of the pittance that they put up for the arbitration pool and the minor raises that they offered for the minimum salary I mean, they were almost it was embarrassing so i mean and, and not even to go to the table for 42 days i mean it's just been so mismanaged it's just it's just an ugly mark yeah yeah and, and i think something you just mentioned there and we talked about it earlier that the perception in general i think for a long time whenever there was any kind of labor issue fans would just automatically assume the players were striking or right. the players wanted more. And I think part of it is the fans are a little bit more savvy now. Mm -hmm. uh, part of it is that they're being educated much better uh, through, I think, writers who are a little bit more fair and balanced. And also just social media in general, people like us who are you know out there shouting about who's really at fault here. But I also think it's, you know, back in, what did, what did Mikey let's buy the Tigers for? Like $83 million, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Ballpark. And, yep. and so back then you see a player who would get a contract for like six, $7 million a year or something like that. That would be like the, the top of the market. And you could look at it and say, wow, that's, you know, that's like a 10th of the value of the team. He's, he's really super greedy. And, and now people see that these teams are worth two and a half billion dollars and the players are getting, you know, the best players are getting $30 million a year. It's like, yeah, all right. We can see who's really making all the money here. It's not that hard. Yeah. So, I don't know. But I, to answer his question, I actually I do think the owners, for the most part, do like baseball. I think, uh, I do think there's there's a lot of uh, people in it for the money, as it were. But I think they're more in it for the status and the prestige of having a professional sports team, and and whatever you know, all the things that brings you. Uh, and, you know, when you're a billionaire, you, you just expect to get things. And so I think there's a lot of that. I, I don't think, you know, like Warren Buffett, I, I just suspect he doesn't really particularly care about baseball. 
you know, he's a very rich man who could buy any baseball team he wanted. Right. But he like, I don't think billionaires just go and buy baseball teams for fun. They do it because they like baseball and they have billions of dollars and they can do it. Uh, but I'm sure there's one or two who doesn't particularly care. But uh, <laughs> so uh, and then he asked, uh, he said, uh, Gibby is in the show 22, the video game, as uh, he's like a new superstar hidden character or something like that. Who will be the next tiger on the cover? No. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna venture say it's gonna be Riley Green. I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop it and say Riley Green. I mean, it's, it's either Riley Green or Spencer Torkelson, but I'm gonna go with Riley Green first. He'll be the first one. I don't know. Could could Casey Mize have a Cy Young year and get into those kind of things? I could see that too. It's uh yeah. I would. Uh, so a little inside gamer knowledge here. I, I don't know if it matters anymore, but they used to make those games in San Diego. That was where the development studio was. That's why they would have Matt Vaskersian do the announcing because ah, he was yeah. uh, back then. He was a Padres. Uh, so I'm going to go with California native Spencer Torkelson, even though he's from like north of San Francisco. <laughs> There's <just> nowhere <laughs> near San Diego, but I'll go with that. Uh, the odds are that there won't be any of him, though. I mean. You know, there's only one player a year, and you kind of have to do something insane to, to get on there. Either Bryce Harper or, or Shohei Otani or Mike Trout. You know, you, you got to go bonkers. Okay, uh, and so there, there, you know, even like, um, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to think of Fernando Tatis was on the cover, right? So that makes yeah. that right. okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, San Diego uh, guy, and and you know, obviously a superstar, but. Uh, and yeah, they, the, the last thing that Deadly Ninja Bees asked is, uh, he said, should I cancel MLB TV and get MILB TV instead? Don't cancel, but yes, buy the MILB TV. How's that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 100% worth it. 100%. I'm not gonna, I've seen a lot of people say I'm canceling my MLB TV. You know, I'm not, I'm not going through that. I mean, why? I'm just going to get it. I'm going to keep it. You know, if I cancel it, I just have to go through the process of getting it back. But you, you didn't make a public, a, a public post on social media, so it doesn't count. So you didn't officially cancel it. Oh, God. I know. But no, I, I'm not doing that. No way. Um, so, oh, Jar, oh, yeah, you mentioned on YouTube. Uh, Walt. Javi Baez was on the. Uh, let's see, was he on the? Right. I think. I think he's right. It was probably after 2016. 2016, 2017, maybe 2018. Let's see. Oh, 20. Javi Baez on the show 21. So just wow. last year. What? No, was it? I thought it was like 2018. No, 2020. It looks like. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at his card. Well, he's an exciting player in a big market. You can see it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, he was a swashbuckling way to him. Yeah, yeah it's a cool so, cover too. There's, there's even like the yeah, it was twenty, it was twenty twenty. Okay, so to confirm everybody in there, but it was one of those things where I find that the cover there's no jinx to it. So thankfully, it's not like Madden. I think the Madden jinx is the football jinx in that you're playing yeah. an incredibly physical sport that breaks everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so we'll but, have uh, a really good question uh, about the any specific eyes on the draft as college baseball gets going, um, especially where the Tigers are picking 12th. So, Chris, take this away because I, I'm i still catching up on college baseball. I've been watching a lot of MLIB or the minor league TV for stuff. So by all means, Chris Brown had the floor. Yeah. Yeah, right up my alley. Uh, and I think uh, you, you've, you've watched some college baseball in your day, too. Yeah. You're, you're a fan. Um, 
So yeah, actually, if you want to, Walter, you can go to Motor City Bengals. I wrote an article last week about the Tigers and the draft and college baseball specifically. Uh, but I, I guess just for a quick overview, kind of what looking at this this year's draft, it is one of the lightest years uh, in memory in terms of college pitching. And that's not necessarily because of a lack of talent. It's just every talented pitcher has hurt. Uh, and the ones who remain are you got Landon Sims from Mississippi State, who who is outstanding. He's got a nasty fastball uh, slider combination, but there's some pretty serious reliever risk there. He was a reliever up until this year. He made his first start just the other day, but he hasn't really shown a changeup. And uh, you know, there's some violence to his delivery, so it's not the sort of guy. I mean, you you could potentially argue taking him there at 12, sort of like the. I don't know, the Angels took Sam Bachman last year at what, like nine or ten, uh, but but Sims's stuff isn't quite as electric as Bachman's. So I think for the most part, and there, there will be a college pitcher or two who who jumps up and and you know makes himself uh, a top fifteen pick probably, but I think we're probably going to rule out college pitching, at least as of right now, and we'll come back to that in a month or two. But this draft is actually is, is really strong for college hitters. And and very strong for uh, prep hitters, too, at least at, at the top. There are three really good high school hitters that are probably going to go in the top 10, if not top five. And uh, and Termar Johnson, who's a, a left-handed hitting second baseman, basically, who, who may have the best hit tool in the entire draft. And then you got Andrew Jones, Drew Jones, who, yep. yes, he is the son of Andrew Jones, and it makes us all feel very, very old. Uh, but he kind of took over – uh, as the top prospect in the draft, at least to, to some people's uh, rankings, like MLB Pipeline and Baseball America, because he, he, he's he got a game that's a lot like his dad's. He, he looks like a potential gold glove center fielder with speed and power, and he can hit. So I mean, he's exciting. He's going to go top five. And before that, everybody was talking about Elijah Green, who is this just uh, insane mix of power and speed and physicality. He's like 6'3", 225. Yep. Uh, but. 70 grade runner, if not an 80 grade runner with 70, 80 raw power and a ridiculously strong arm. Uh, but the, with the questions with him and he's the one who might fall. I still don't think he'll fall to 12 because the tools are just so loud, but there's some questioning his, his hit tool. And you can see videos on YouTube or, or uh, recent ones on Twitter where you can see a little bit, he's got kind of what I would kind of described as like a scoop to his swing. It's a little steep and it seems like something that, that fastballs above the belt could really, uh, you know, really take advantage of. But again, the physical tools are, are crazy. Yep. Uh, but yeah, to specifically get to the players you asked about. Yeah. The, the, the college players I'm looking at most right now are probably the outfielders. There are a couple college infielders, Jace uh, Young, the younger brother of Josh Young, who just unfortunately went down with a shoulder injury. His uh, his younger brother plays for Texas Tech, I believe, and he's a second baseman, maybe a third baseman, but, uh, you know, tons of power. Not tons of power, but, like, a lot of useful game power and a good hitter. He's probably a top five, top ten pick. And then you got uh, Brooksley, I think his name is. Yeah, yes. I want to call him Corey Lee, but that's the catcher in the in the you know, Brooks Lee is a kid who was I think he was considered one of the best hitters on the West Coast when he was in high school. And normally those guys go in the first couple rounds, but his dad happens to be the coach 
at uh, at is it UC Irvine? One of the one of those you know University of California offshoots. And it, he's uh, he's played shortstop. There's some debate about that. He may have to move to second or third, but he's just a really really good hitter with some potential pop from both sides of the plate. I believe he's a switch hitter. Um, I could be wrong on that, but uh, yeah, those guys will probably go before the Tigers draft. But then there's you've got some interesting uh, outfield bats. And Gavin Cross is a probably a corner outfielder, lefty from Virginia Tech, who I want to say he hit like over 400 for Team USA, the college team last year over the summer, which is usually one of the two big people like to see Cape Cod League performance yep. and Team USA performance because they're using, you know, wood bats, they're, they're competing against advanced competition. Yeah. And he just, he demolished that. And so he's a guy who could be in that range. The, uh, there's a guy named Chase DeLauder from James Madison who was getting, some people compare him. Uh, oh, yeah. Check out the article. Okay. Oh <laughs> yeah. I'm talking too much for Walter. He's going to check out the article, but let me just finish my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chase DeLauder is like this, this really, uh, really tooled up like six foot four, 235 pound center fielder that played really well in the Cape Cod league. Now he had a rough first weekend against Florida state. He went like, two for 14 with like eight strikeouts, but he's a guy some people thought could go first overall. The one I kind of targeted for the Tigers in the article was Brock Jones, who plays at Stanford, which is of course where uh, AJ Hinch went, right? Yep. That's correct. And uh, he is a former safety for the Stanford football team who started focusing on football or baseball last year. He played center field for them. He had, I want to say 18, 19 home runs and double digit steals. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just one of those kind of, you know, rare, pretty tooled up college outfielders who might be there for him at 12. And, and I compared him uh, a little bit to Kirk Gibson because mostly because the last time the Tigers picked 12th, the only time they picked 12th, they picked Kirk Gibson. So I thought, Hey, well, that's fun, but he's not as big or as insanely tooled up as Kirk Gibson was. And I don't know if people quite realize <laughs> what Kirk Gibson had going for him. He was uh you know, some people had legitimate 80 grade speed and 80 grade power on his scouting reports back when he was a prospect. So, yeah, you know what? Every time I, when they find those old prospect reports from players from the previous decades, it always blows my mind because some of the, some of the great grades they got right or they got wrong or about some, somebody that they, for example, somebody like, uh, say, oh, Ricky Barlow, Tigers, uh, pick in 1981, who was picked 17th overall out of Texas and just when you see his walk numbers and it's just like, well, what, what happened? And, and what, you know, it, it is quite scouting is the yeah. baseball scouting to me. It, it takes a lot of, it takes more than skill. It takes some luck too, because I, I don't know. I, I just applaud those guys who go out on the road and I've seen them firsthand. It's just a bow because honestly, I don't, I, <laughs> Every, you see a guy on a Friday night go and strike out 16 or 17 batters and then next week and get lit up, but the, by then you're gone. And those, that's why I always cross-track the cross-checking is so important and getting the little details down and making sure you stay for enough games. It's something I learned from James Shipman. So guy I'm looking for this year, college wise. Um, I want to see if he has, another gear that he was projected to have and he hasn't shown yet. And that's Carter young and Vanderbilt. Cause I love Vanderbilt guys. Um, he didn't quite play to the level. I think people expected last year, 
but the guy's got a lot of talent. You can see that. Uh, so he's someone I think could play his way into that top 15 for the draft. Uh, and again, the nice thing about Vanderbilt is you get a lot of chances to see them for the most part. And uh, yeah, that's a good call. He, he, he was, uh, I think he's also a switch hitter, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's got plenty of power and he's a legit shortstop he'll stick at shortstop the only question with him is is, you know hitting and strikeouts but uh yeah i mean if if he proves he can hit this year and and puts up a decent average then he's definitely gonna climb up there because that's a premium premium defensive player and then the michigan outfielder is off to a nice start um clark elliott yep yeah um i'm interested you know he's he's looked really good i watched some of the video there um i'm hopeful to see more of him as we go through the year and I believe he's draft eligible. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, he is. He uh, and and Michigan has proven to be a pretty good developmental program. Uh, you know, it it, it it was beyond just Chris Fetter. They've got some yep. good stuff going on there. And yeah, and Clark Elliott won the Cape Cod League batting title. Yep. I think he hit three forty four or three forty three. He, so. he crushed it there. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know if he plays his way into the top half of the first round, but I think there's a chance of that anyway. Yeah, and then I mean the one thing we didn't discuss, and we don't really need to, is is it's a very deep and talented high school pitching crop. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the Tigers would go back to back high school pitchers in the first round. It, it but it may be that when they're picking at 12, uh, 12 the the yeah. best, the most talented players at that spot might be either yeah. a high school pitcher or one of the injured college starters. So we'll see. And then uh, Judd Fabian is the other, you know, what does he do coming back? Kind of a controversial guy. Um, but if he kind of turns it around, I mean, he, even with a kind of a crappy year, he got drafted fairly high. So now he's back in school. Kind of a fun, interesting story, if nothing else. Yeah, that's a, that's another one where the the contact and the strikeouts are the main issue. And, and yep. you know, scouts want to see him turn that around. Yeah, hopefully he'll get the money that he wasn't an issue of money too, right? That he wanted to get a little more. He wanted more. Yeah. It's, despite all the K's, he thought he uh, deserved it. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we all know the K percentages across the board are high, but yeah, it, if they saw something they didn't like, then it is what it is. So the, uh, just, sorry, the one other thing I, I should have mentioned that I forgot to was, was it's uh, an unusually strong at the top catching crop. I don't know if you want to spend a top 15 pick on a college catcher that's not going to be, you know, Adley Rutschman or Joey Bart or whatever, although Joey Bart hasn't been great, but, and they have Dylan Dingler, but it may be again, where the, the best player available might be uh, Kevin Parada, who's a, a catcher for Georgia tech. You got Daniel Susak, whose older brother, Andrew, I think caught for the giants for several years. And I think he has another brother. He might be a pitcher. And then you got two kids from Mississippi and, you know, the Tigers like taking their catchers from Mississippi you got Hayden, Hayden Dunhurst and Tanner Allen from Mississippi State, I believe. And they're both, you know, more defense first, but uh, interesting catchers. So, yeah, it, it'll be fun to watch this year. And as always, and, and you mentioned Judd Fabian, he's a great example of a guy. People projected him to possibly go first overall top five last year. He was a legitimate yep. option for the Tigers at the third pick. And he just struggled so mightily that he ended up going to the Red Sox in the second round and as you've said, yeah, you know, he, he probably thought of himself as a top 10 pick. And so he went back and tried to prove it. And we'll probably see that again this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there's Kumar Rocker is still out there. Uh, uh, you know, who knows what he's going to do to prepare for the draft. He's not pitching for Vanderbilt, but maybe we'll go to Indy Ball or do some showcases. 
that to me, uh, sign me up right now. If he's there at 12, take him. Boom. Done. Let's go. <laughs> I've always been a big Kumar guy. On that rate, though, we will be talking more college baseball if there's no baseball. So we'll find out in a couple of days as the lockout. Essentially, the owners like basically have said, if we don't come to an agreement by the 28th, we're going to be canceling games and not making them up. So we'll see what happens here in the next couple of days. We hope there will be the next time we're on, which will be in March, that there is baseball. We all want baseball. And in my tiredness when I was talking about the whole writing the thing is, writing twenty articles a month, you gotta you gotta use your you gotta rack your brain. You really have to rack your brain. And if I get substance for it, great. That's fantastic. I can get a lot of that out. But um, but it does allow, like I said, it allows the creativity to happen. And again, I would uh, writing the rotation pieces have been fun. Chris is writing the starting lineups for each affiliate, which is great. And uh, I'll give credit to Alan, who said he wanted to do an article on replacement Tigers. So Tony the Tiger, Tiger Woods, that was a good <laughs> spin. So, And one last thing, I wanted to mention Gavin, who has been writing for us a little while. Got it. He's now the new fan-sided excite expert for Georgia Tech. And wow. I know he was at Michigan State, so that's pretty cool for him. And congratulations to him. And pass that along. Of course, if you have not gotten your – now, I know Uper's got his shirt. The Emily Walden's, she did a, uh, pro, she did a top 10 Tigers prospect with uh, her podcast with Kyle Glazer. So you want to check that out after you check our hours of, uh, check hours out, of course. And uh, yeah, that's all we got. So unless I'm missing something else, Chris. No, no, I'm, uh, you know, we're not that far away from, from writing articles about like, you know, five Dodgers to take after Russia nukes LA. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> well, that's what we got. I mean, there's, you, you got to manufacture some baseball news. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I got to say, it's just, it is depressing. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of stuff going on that's depressing. And it's just, no the, question and, about it. That what, what I saw today with the Applebee's commercial during the CNN as they did the, have you seen this? Uh, you yeah. this? Did you see that? Yeah, I, I saw oh. it. There's, on, there's there's bombing and mayhem on the left, and Applebee's uh, desserts on the right. Unbelievable. By the way, I have that stupid song stuck in my head. I hate that song so much. It is okay. If you like country uh, music, subjective. Okay, music subjective. If you like music, whatever, fine. That song, it's just literally come come on. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just like, you know, let me write my own version of it here. Uh, cold Coke, Coke Zero on a Friday night. A dog of pants that feel just right. Let me turn my podcast up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had not heard that song until that commercial. So no, I, are, I don't go I, to places I, where there's music. <laughs> I um, envy you, Chris. Uber, how does he? How does he luck that out? How does he? How is he? How did you luck out like that, Chris? That, that is very lucky. I yes, I, like I, well, yeah, I don't know. I, considering where you live, come on. How did you not hear that? I, song? I don't. I don't go. I, maybe I have, and I just never registered to me. I thought it was like the song for the commercial. But the <sighs> the one thing I I want to say though is is that, and it's a feeling I always get, and I don't necessarily want to express it on Twitter because uh, you know whatever. Yeah. But. Uh, 
just even in my lifetime, we've already lived through, through some awful things. And I just always remember that we always get through them. It just, you know, I mean, it's scary at times. And I, I, I'm sure I told this story before, but on, on 9-11, so 9-11 happened, what, three days before my 21st birthday. I was a college student. Uh, it was scary. You, you yeah. felt like the world was changing. The, the next month, there were anthrax attacks. Uh, it just felt like the world was collapsing. Next couple of years, the you know the uh, economy collapsed. But I called my dad on nine eleven. I said, uh, hey, "Yeah, there's terrorist attacks. They're blowing up everything." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, that's awful." Did the furnace guy call? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, the furnace guy is supposed to come." I'm like, "Oh, all right." And then I remember, you know what? Okay, so he lived through JFK getting killed, Martin Luther King being killed, Vietnam, Nixon, yeah. Watergate, uh, everything, sure. and, and you know. I, I, I was a high schooler when Oklahoma, Oklahoma City happened. The first World Trade Center attack happened. My grandparents lived through World War II. I've been through like three recessions already, and I'm 41. Uh, so, yeah, it just always – I think we, we – and everybody has a right to be upset about what's happening right now and feel bad about it and be scared. But but I just – I kind of at the point now where I, I just know that we'll eventually get through it. And, you know, there basically might be some bad times, but, you know. We'll stick around and talk about baseball, so I don't think it'll be too bad for us. Hopefully, yeah. Our hopefully. job is our job is, you know, we are really is, is talking baseball. It's fun to do, and and hopefully with more Patreon subscribers, of course. And I'm pushing that because we're going to a lot of minor league games this year. We are. We're actually getting all our press press credentials set up in a row. We got ducks in a row. I ordered my pocket radar yesterday, so I'll have a radar gun and. Walter, nice. Walter, you're the man because thank you for understanding how bad that song is. Country music is not what it used to be. Quite frankly, I never was like I understand old country like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, but all these songs sound the same. Something yep. about a Friday night football game, beer, uh, and it just it's so it's so bad. It's so like there was a I forgot the name of the website, but there's some website that take that took all the country lyrics. And they're like the 10 same words over and over again. <laughs> There's no originality. And what other, how many bands do I need to have a, a, a the borders of state? Like, do I need the, where's the Michigan, Ohio, Indiana line band or the, the how about the New Jersey turnpike band or something like just, again, these people are much more talented than me and they can play an instrument making money. I'm not jealous of it. I just don't get it. And I may have that old band yelling at the cloud thing or whatever. But I was listening to trap music earlier, so I'm not that, I'm not that uh, unhip as of yet. So if you've I, ever seen the kids in the hall, he's hip, he's young, he's forty. Skit, I'm I'm right there. I always surprise people when I tell them I still listen to top forty music. That's almost all I listen to. Um, I I try not to live in the past. I always tell people the uh, the past is overrated. We we overrate the past quite a bit, you know. Uh, and, but I can't get into the new country music either. That's one place where if I do dabble in country music, as you mentioned, I'll listen to the old stuff like uh, Waylon Jennings or Johnny Cash. Um, but otherwise, the, the new stuff has no interest for me. Well, uh, Walter asked, uh, wanted to check out Charlie Crockett and Culture Wall. So I'll definitely, well, well I again, I don't, I don't like... What I don't like when people do is when somebody likes a certain music taste and just makes fun of them for it. You that's that's ridiculous. If you like something, hey, 
you know, the That's police great. have been, yeah, the police have been in my favorite band list for the last seven years on Spotify. I still listen to the same songs. It's we all like our stuff. Heats their own. It doesn't matter. I just, the, the, like I said, the the state line band thing and, and just, yeah, anyway. All right, no more tangents. We're out of here. And hopefully, like we said, there's baseball next week to talk about. If not, there is 40-something-odd days until opening season starts in Erie and Toledo and across the minor league system. Man, yeah, something. Uh, yeah, March 10th is when minor league camp officially starts. Chris, is that right? I believe so, yeah. Or it yeah. was 10th, 14th. I, I don't remember the exact date, but, you know, it uh, – it probably won't be a whole heck of a lot different than what they're doing now. I think they'll just have some actual games. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just looking forward to seeing it out there. So until next time, we'll see you next. Well, try that again. I'll get it out later on the audio portion, but for all of us here. <laughs> <laughs> see I don't want to, uh, all right. See you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Have a good week, everybody. And this is what happened.